What just Whoa. happened? Hey, I just told us that I gave a thumbs up. Huh. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> Maybe mine's not smart enough. Hey, I'm going to do this AI companion thing here. Sure. Like we'll have a third person. Um, It's going to... Let's see. Is that, is that what this is? Is this going to put Roman out of a job? It's, no, it's going to make the transcript for us. Oh, wow. Lucky end, so we'll everyone. See everything. Uh, I think it's kind of cool. I think it is kind of cool. It'll even summarize action items at the end. Oh, man. Okay, so leaving this conversation, what do we want to have done? <clears throat> uh, we want to have completed a podcast and reviewed yeah. 6 to 12 comics. Okay, okay. Well, ugh, probably closer to the 6 end of things this week because it was pretty small. It was pretty small. I read all but one of my comics, and that's nine comics. Welcome to the Comics Place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast, episode 332. I know that because I checked to see if we had an email from our dear listener, Will Elmer, when this episode began, and it said, perfectly acceptable podcast, email 332. It's a comic book podcast on the cradle of civilization, the mecca of all things nerddom, Bellingham, Washington. Hmm. It's That's true, right, Django? I've been saying it for a long time. It's, I, I think, you yeah, you can say anything you want. You can sue a ham sandwich. For being a ham sandwich. Jangle, you sound a little down, bud. What's wrong? Nothing's wrong, Jeff. Everything's fine. You smell a little bit like two things. <laughs> What's that? Piss and vinegar. Well, I did refill my piss and my vinegar um, sacks this week when we got broken into Your on satchels. Halloween morning. My piss and vinegar came back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Some days it's the only thing that gets me through it. Is sipping alternately from your... Piss camelback and yeah, your, yeah, your yeah. vinegar contigo. No, 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 no. I make a cocktail and it's just one bag. It's too hard it's, to try and keep them straight with the hoses. It's called efficiency, Django. Yeah. Look into it. Um, yeah, well, you know, you know this, but I guess some of like one of our listeners might not have heard that we got broken into uh this week at our Perpetrated, shop. you could say. Perpetrated. We got patronized. We got chump shuffled. We got scum shooed. Scum shooed. <laughs> chump shuffled uh, is really good. <laughs> I like that. We, we had a couple people uh, break into the store and uh, steal a bunch of magic cards and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh was one of the larger ticket items, so irony of ironies. And then um, they also grabbed some old comics. Some valuable old comics. Away. So if that hurts your heart to hear a little bit, us too. We like comic books. Yeah. We want them to go to the right people. And I have a feeling these people don't even really like comic books. I don't think they even know the significance of Batman number 666. Well, that's a good point, Django. We wanted to sit down here and talk about Batman episode 666. We, uh, happen, we happen to know exactly what episode to point people to. <laughs> yeah, totally. <coughs> um, the only real positive side of this was that before I left work the night before, I had turned on Devanger Barnhart's insect eyes as loud as I could get it to go. And uh, just as a prank for the openers, Jeff and Sean. So when the people broke in, they had that playing just at max volume, like a spooky, circusy uh, guitar pretending to be a lute sound and somebody crooning weird lyrics about insect eyes. It's a it's a little prank we've been playing on each other for like seven years now. And by each other, I mean mostly Django to me uh, or just the opener in general. <laughs> I really I really like it. I'm glad you like it because I like doing it and I do like it. It's like, I don't want you to feel less special, but I've been doing this for about 15 years because I started it at Merchbot with Kevin Robinson. Just because you say, I hope it doesn't make you feel special or less special doesn't mean it's not going to make me feel less special, Django. Well, I started it with my best friend, Kevin <laughs> Robinson. <laughs> Man, that sounds like a blissful existence. <laughs> it sounds like you guys are having a blast back then. <laughs> so um, you just do this with a lot of younger boys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the whole thing. I like I like young men and insect eyes, <laughs> and retail <laughs> and retail. So you know, anyway, yes. for me, this was mm -hmm. a fifteen year joke that finally paid off better than any of us could have ever predicted. Because not only did the thieves have to go through that, and we have 
video of them from outside and we can hear the the music coming in which is amazing yeah for me uh not only that but when the cops showed up i hadn't made it there yet and so the cops like flood into the shop with their guns and flashlights out to the same song just on repeat and so like it had to be some sort of bizarro horror movie for all yeah they had to have thought they were going to be walking into a scene from true detective or something like the king in yellow was going to be down there or something hey speaking of the king in yellow let's hear from our good friend william elmer before we later on in the episode take a trip to the far side i like both these guys yeah hello and happy episode 332 one episode away from Three three three. That's true. Uh, I should have saved that for next week. Three oh. three three. Um, this is three three two. Yeah, whatever. Uh, boy, you guys have had a had a week. Um, you know, obviously yeah. everyone or lots of people fine. have seen you guys got broken into. You, maybe you've already talked about it. Maybe you haven't. Um, and we're all really sorry that happened to you. And we love you guys very much and want to do whatever we can to support you guys. <clears throat> um, on that note, that also leads me to my question of the week. Obviously, we get to see the video footage or some of the video footage of um, the uh, burglars who burgled you yeah, guys. Yeah, burglars. And burglars. it made me wonder, because their, their heist, I would say... Hamburgers. Um, you know, arguably successful, arguably not so successful. Yeah. However, um, thinking of successful heists, maybe curious, what are your guys' favorite uh, heist comics, movies... I guess Ooh. you kind of lump crime into that if there's if it's a if it's a heist comic, um, or your favorite heist movie, uh, TV show. I think there's actually some heist TV shows even. Um, what do you guys like? Turn up, love you guys. Awesome. I know a Django one. Fast and Furious Five. I was gonna say Prison Break. Oh, Prison Break was a great show. Yeah, you like that show. How do you how do you remember that? I haven't uh, I haven't even thought about Prison Break for probably a decade. I don't know. I've never seen it, but I know you really like that show. Um, I know it's the lowest hanging fruit that there is, but uh, Ocean's Eleven. Not twelve or thirteen. I liked thirteen more than twelve. What about Ocean's Ten? Uh, was that the one with the ladies? I think so. I didn't see it. Yeah, me me neither. Um, Wow. Hi, Jeff Figley. Part of the problem. (laughs) Listen, at least you're not the whole problem. Yeah, I guess. You're you're only you're only thirty six tomorrow. You're uh, you'll you'll be the whole problem someday. I'm 34 tomorrow. Wait, Roman's what? 36. Oh, when you said you were almost 36, I thought you, you meant thought that 30, I meant yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. No. Right. I didn't I didn't bother doing the math and I always yeah. give you credit for being older than you are, I guess. So you and Erica started dating when you were 36. Yeah, so you got you got 2 years. Wow, you actually you thought cool I was turning I 36? Yeah. When I said that? I don't really pay attention to age, but it makes sense <laughs> that you'd be 34 because you're 12 years younger than me, right? I don't really pay attention to what you say, so... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look like anything to me. My favorite color is milk. Um, <laughs> all Did right. you watch the, the... There was a Netflix show that... Maybe it was just... Was it just called Heist? It was on recently. It had um, the guy from... The, the chicken man from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad in it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like eight episodes of Heist that were set anywhere from like 10 years before to five years after the heist. And each episode was a bottle episode, but then they all built and you could watch them in any order. And they were colors. It was cool. They were colors. Um, I'm too busy with shows like The Bachelor in Paradise. I know that you've questioned whether or not you've said offensive things uh, up until this point while we've been hanging out tonight, Jane. But I think you uh, referring to that actor as the chicken man is maybe... Uh, the definitive <laughs> yes you did what's and his, here it what's is. his fucking name um it's you know, three Dark names Saber guy from uh star wars star the new star wars uh carlito shopley so we had an enormous week Gian of comics Carlo. last week john carlo esposito yes yeah we did, all right andrew man. just make us sound smart okay just uh cut cut and paste however you need to yeah you hey, you have my permission to do whatever you need there to make me not sound like a jackass yeah you could take that that audio file that we sent you of us saying every single actor's name just reading down the list of imdb and just just put it in so it sounds like we got right to it okay i feel like it was one of the most productive three days we had yeah. Like you're always talking about trying to do the work up front to pay off long term. And that is that that was that assigning timestamps to it. I wish we had delegated that to somebody. But yes, we got through it. We 
should have done them. Yeah, anyway. So, yeah, hindsight. Uh, always hindsight. A lot of comic books came out last week. Not as many came out this week. It was a fifth week through and through. If you look at the things that Marvel produ- produced this week, it was one-shot specials and new number ones. And DC, similarly, for the most part, one-shot Welcome specials. to 1962 scheduling. Everybody. It's annual week. Uh, but one really cool book that we got this week was from Dark Horse Comics, and it was called Canary from Scott Snyder and Dan Panosian. Scott Snyder, who I have a feeling is going to go back to Batman at some time soon here. Seems like he's oh. kind of branching out and doing a bunch of other stuff right now, like outside mm-hmm. of superheroes. But none, like everything has got like a slightly lower subcount than the thing before it. And I feel like you can only have somebody who is at the height of things for that long go down before they're like, no, I got sorry, recapture the gold. Anyway, that's just my conspiracy theory. Do you think he do you think he gets to make that call? Do you think he's got like an open invitation to jump on a Batman series? No, but I bet that they'd do something akin to what they are doing with Spider Boy and that new superior Spider Man, which is like letting Dan Slott do us like being like you do whatever you want but also you're not writing amazing spider-man so how how important is it you get bat boy yeah exactly you get you know like right sure right yeah i don't know like jason i'm not a bat boy i'm a bat man dude that sucked that was (laughs) shrill um deezer would not let that audio on their on their app i'll tell you what um So this book, Canary, came out. Uh, All that to say, Scott Snyder, I think, is a great writer. I like writing or reading everything he writes. And uh, most of it pulls me through all the way. And so this is exciting. But then Dan Panosian is an artist I love. I was trying to think of the first time we saw Dan Panosian, Django, like art wise. You and I or like he was inking Rob Liefeld kind of stuff for image in the 90s. Mm hmm. Like, I think I think he might have even done some profit issues way back then. Yeah, I remember you you... like this is super, super proto Dan Panosian, but but still identifiable. I remember you being familiar with his name when it started cropping up for me. And I think we had already seen him by the time slots came out. But I think that's kind of the one that I point to is is really in my mind, cementing his style and being an artist. Yeah, that's probably about when I when he became a recognizable name for me. I mean, he yeah. did that uh, Grant Morrison drawing for that that you used for the Batman and Quarantine cover, right? And I think that um, was after <clears throat> Slots because I had really that was liked after him. Slots. Yeah, yeah, it was after you you kind of been turned on by him, but um, yeah. that get, getting that from him was when I was or like when you you got that from him. No, 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 you got that from me. I got as a that gift. from him. Yeah, like seeing that. I was like, this is like, this guy is a badass mm-hmm. um, because that, per- that picture in particular and this comic that we're talking about Canary both have kind of a Mort Drucker uh, facial quality to them. Like the old mad magazine artists. And I yes. really like that. Yeah. You mentioned that reference to me and I am unfamiliar with that art style. Like the guy that drew Norman Rockwell or whatever his name is. No, I'll, I'll, I'll find you. I'll find you some images. Just there was what's, like, that, what's uh, that kid's name? <clears throat> the guy who drew Norman Rockwell. No, no, no. The kid Norman from Rockwell Matt. Drew Norman Rockwell. You know, oh, Alfred E. Newman. There you go. Yeah. I think it was Mort Drucker who did. Yeah. You'll, I'll, I'll send you a, an image here and you'll know it. He, he did most of the uh, uh, like movie parodies for Mad Magazine for a long time. So without referencing Mort Drucker, how would you describe Dan Panosian's art? Druckerian. Okay. That was good. That was good. I mean his so his his art changes a lot, but his art in this feels like photo referency, but like looking at a picture of a real person and then drawing your own thing rather than like when some people say uh photo reference it it's like derogatory and, and kind of tracy um or traced but he feels like he's using a lot of visual references when he's drawing but he's doing something super stylized and the faces are a little grotesque the mouths and the eyes are pretty expressive the mouths are very very expressive and that's what kind of gives eyes, me that yeah. old workman feel um from from the old ec and and mad magazine stuff yeah it's like a little flat in a good way Mm -hmm. and the faces and bodies can be a tiny bit angular at times and he uses a lot of extraneous lines for texture in a really good way um like 
clothing fabrics or environment nature like he he does these really kind of hash marks on things that i like a lot everything has a real worn feel to it and he did the colors on this too which are gorgeous they're like big old probably photoshoppy paint swirls and yeah you're right i didn't even notice them until you just said that but they're like paintbrush strokes of paint like they're like different levels of zoomed in and muted like all pretty muted as well yeah it's it's artistically very very cool the story itself takes place in the late 1800s and um is a horror western and we've got like a sheriff deputy who's got to solve a mystery about some murders in a place and we're kind of haunted by this recurring interaction he had with a serial killer who ate fish ate fish and killed kids and like something's very wrong with that guy yeah Um, it's it's got all the trappings of like very scott snyder like it's it's unsettling and environmentally horrific because of he can like put you in a different time where you're out of place and the time itself is a little bit scary because of how different it is but then there's like this kind of recurring thing where this the the detective like moved to with his family to this land and it turns out he got tricked and it was on this giant snake nest and but he like did this crazy thing to clear out all the snakes but then this sort of metaphor of the story is like but snakes always come back and like that's this scott snyder thing about like kind of the mythos around this event of this thing that then metaphorically ties into the structure of the story like very scott snyder in a way that i love uh he's he just has some really definitive writing traits and i adore them and i think he's getting better at using those writing traits in a more subtle way because i think five years ago there would have been word balloons saying snakes always come back as the first word balloon and and by the end be like you know like i said this murderer is a snake and snakes come back just like they came back last time they came back not not that clumsy but but definitely like the the inner monologue of of the characters and this is all done like the metaphor is right there in here even even Django understood that metaphor, but it's never it, it's said through the characters, which I think is um, a step up in his storytelling style for me. Yeah, I, I do think he's getting better and I like seeing him do more stories like he was doing kind of when he started his career in that American vampire age. Yeah. Um, I gave this a pretty high <laughs> score, Django, and a lot of that is the art although i did like the writing as well um i gave this a 9.0 i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a 9.02 it's it is like it it hits all my weak spots right so like your knees my knees my eyes my back lately um but even more importantly westerns and spooky well you had a fall Django. i did have a fall oh jeff it's such an up and down week i had a fall and then i found out that i'm on getty images and then we got robbed. And then Django, I had if I hear you talk about being on Getty Images <clears throat> one more time, you've got no idea how excited I am for that, Jeff. It's like one step towards getting a road named after me. You're you are right. That's the man. final goal. There's a Boren Ave in Seattle that we always pass. It's spelled wrong. I, I know. want to, I want it to be Figley Boren Road. Oh. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Oh my God, the love that we must share and project into the world for people to think that the two of us deserve to have a co-named street. Like, it's going to be astounding. 10 years from then, when we have our spectacular falling out, we're going to be in a race for the mayor just to get rid of that road name. Oh. I can't wait for this story, man. I'm excited about it too. Back. They always come back. Uh, speaking of always coming back, Chip Zdarsky and Teeny Howard with Mike Hawthorne. Matt Hawthorne? His name is as forgettable as art is. Um, ooh, Jeff. Mike. Uncharacteristic. I'm sorry, Mike. Uncharacteristic negativity from <laughs> Jeff. Wow. I don't think it's super unfair either. No, it's not. It is fair art. Um, they're here to uh, scorch the earth and give us a coda to the crossover that was Batman and Catwoman, the Gotham War, with some pretty mediocre art. Jingo, they wrapped it all up. How did, I, I, I want to go on record as saying I think that this whole thing was better than I thought it was going to be. So I, I have mostly liked this. And, you know, it sounds weird to say mostly liked it when there's only nine issues. 
mm-hmm. eight issues involved. Um, I really didn't like a couple of the tie-ins, but I thought that the the setup was interesting. I fell asleep exactly like at the staples in this book. I got halfway and then I passed out. The staples um, are always a a moment, you know. You yeah. always recognize when you're halfway through a book because of the staples. So I don't think that we found out the thing I was hoping for, which was that he was kind of being controlled by his hand. Yeah, uh, no, not not travels. even alluded to. Not even alluded to. Just a sleepy butthole, which is like, oh, Chip, I expected you to to go. Uh, a deeper direction than that. Right? Well, Jingo, can I tell you a little bit about mm-hmm. what you may have missed then? Yeah, will you will you spoil me? So, spoil us. so those st- kryptonite or the meteorite pieces that the you know the immortal guys gathering up right. are they have like a bacteria in them, or they're actually a homing signal for a much larger meteor that is now being pulled to Earth and is going to hit Gotham. Uh, um, another Lazarus meteor. Yeah, like Didn't the one we that just ori- have that event. Well, not Lazarus, like the same meteor that would have originally fallen and hit, you know, Immortal Stand. Daniel Savage. Yeah, Immortal uh, Stand. So maybe it was a Lazarus. I don't know. Yeah, we just had some Lazarus stuff. But anyway, uh, they're locked out and they can't get to it to blow it up. And Superman and Justice League are answering, and Batman and Catwoman have had to leave Jason in a warehouse because he's a coward now. Um, Thanks to Batman. Yeah. And Jason's like, I gotta take the Batwing and fly it up and blow up that thing. So he pulls a uh, Batman at the end of the third Nolan film and gets in the plane and flies it up to the meteor. And he's like, I guess you were wrong about me, Bruce. And it's not clear whether or not he dies. I don't think he does because it looks like somebody parachutes out, which makes the entire gesture a lot more hollow. Uh, but if he didn't, and he died. That's cool. I would support that. Um, and then everybody makes up, everybody makes up in the Bat family, mm-hmm. and Batman's like, "But you guys, I can't. Like, you guys, I thought that like I could be the father of this family with Catwoman, but like I can't. You're the person they got to be following, Dick." And he he like just pieces out. He like gets this in his car, and he's like, "Continue to not let me have access to the Bat computer. Call I'm me pe- Nomad. I'm piecing out." I got shit I gotta do. Um, but also, know. doesn't Catwoman die in that in that explosion? Or like, no, falls into a Lazarus pit. No, there's like a coda, and she leaves yeah. a flash drive for him, and she's hiding in the shadows. And it seems like you know, like maybe she's immortal or something. And then a criminal finds Bruce Wayne's hideout, and he's like, "Bruce Wayne is Batman," and that's our end. Yeah, there is somebody in a. It looks like Jason Todd parachuting out at the end so that i think they should have let him die there and, and kind of done a haunting thing for bruce because he caused that to happen, a little but, while. yeah um, well oh, yeah, that is the, the, those were some cool those were all cool moments actually like the jason todd sacrifice was cool it, it was worked well with what batman had done to him even though yeah batman was acting so out of character that it's hard to take it as a serious story if there's not something like zero and r infecting his mind or the hand doing something mm-hmm. so it and the art is just below average yeah um, i would say dc shack style yeah yeah like the shakaroni from papa john's like not a house style but uh but like kazam ram shackle yeah i am exactly. kazam yeah yeah and like i don't like shitting on artists because i know i couldn't and he should be happy panels and you know I want to give this person an opportunity for growth and get them work and allow them to get more work and therefore get better so you know I just shouldn't be on the, you know, the main art in the book ending pieces of the event for the main Batman comic at DC. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you get that uh, amazing painting for the Gotham City year one hardcover that's at the end there. Yeah. Like that's a yeah. beautiful ad. Yeah. Really highlights the rest of the art. That final page looks a little bit like Riley Rossimo. That can't be right. It's not Rossimo, but it's, uh, uh, Nikola Sismijka. Yeah, um, I would give this issue a seven point five. All right, that's that's and a pretty good ending, and I like. I it wasn't a terrible. It, yeah, it wasn't terrible. It was out of character, but like the things that were negative to me are be- being like, okay, now do I have to deal with six months of like Batman having fallen out with the Bat family and stories involving that, and not necessarily about mm-hmm. this story in a vacuum, but more about like, okay, we're gonna retread a very familiar trope now in real human time as we read the fallout of this if we get batman on the road like he's bruce banner and the kids coming into their own a little bit more like that's fine with me 
I, I'm I'm okay with five months off of Batman and Gotham. Yeah, I'll weather that. Yeah, especially if they have Superman watching him and making sure he hasn't completely lost his shit. I mean, you're envisioning a good version of what I described. So that's an optimist. You're a glass half full kind of guy. So that's what I like about you. And my glass is already feeling a little bit more half full. Uh, Did you have a score for it? (laughs) Uh, I didn't read enough of it. I I would. I'm going to give it a seven because I fell asleep. But flipping through the end, it looks it looks like it gets a lot more interesting halfway through. It does. But I. Yeah. Yeah. I got to dock it. I got to dock it for putting me into a snooze. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. Um, Django, did you read Ultimate Universe? I did, Jeff. Jonathan Hickman, <clears throat> did you read Ultimate Invasion? I've been reading them all. I've nice. been reading them all. I'm uh, thinking that, that there would be an issue, too, and the joke's on me. I'm a dumbass. Well, Ultimate Invasion was one through four, and now this is a one-shot. There was a one-shot just a couple weeks ago, wasn't there? Mm-mm. Where everybody attacked the city? No. Huh. All no. right, well. I think that was uh, issue four of the series. Double jokes on me. I was wrong about being right. Yeah, you've been reading. You've been reading them. I've been reading them. Uh, yeah, this was a one shot. And so this takes place after the little four issue miniseries and leads into what will be the three series that start the ultimate universe that I don't know that Hickman is steering, but he's going to be writing Spider-Man. Um, and my Which is f- like the Batman of the Marvel Universe. Is that right? Uh, Comic book sales wise. Oh, right. Yeah, I Churn believe so. Wise. Yeah, yeah. I was like, really? Like the role of Batman? And like, I don't know. Could, is he? But um, what did you think about this, Django? Uh, so this follows a jailbreak of Thor by Iron Boy and uh, Doctor Doom, and they accidentally end up with Sif from another universe, and they're trying to do a heist. Best heist comic of the week. Yeah, it is. Um. They're trying to steal the stuff that the maker has used to prevent superheroes from becoming superheroes in the ultimate universe, which is feeling less and less ultimate to me. As oh, they I make think it you were talking. I think you were talking about gods. The first issue of gods. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, I thought this was pretty good. Like this is some deep sideways Marvel lore in an alternate reality, kind of that should be my. Well, I was going to say kryptonite, but what's the Marvel version of kryptonite, Jeff? Uh, Batman. Should be my Batman. Dope. Um, <laughs> I, th- I thought this was pretty good. Uh, it, it's a it's an extra long comic, and it's a lot of words and a lot of characters that I don't super love. And it pulled me right through, and I'm in for the next one. Um, I like the coda at the end when they're talking about the uh, people who died in this explosion. And we see some familiar names in there. Uh, there are probably a few things that I would have juiced a little more juice out of if I was more of a Marvel head. But uh, I, I I really like the idea of a universe that is attainably read by a person. You could not read the Marvel Universe right now, but there was a time when you could read the ultimate Marvel right. Universe, right? right? And so I really appreciate the idea of them going back to the the ultimate universe in my dream world they wouldn't ever cross over and we would just have like this is the ultimate this is not the ultimate and it's a very very rare thing that you get baggage from one world to the other yeah no i i like that take um i obviously like this a lot because that's jonathan hickman starting a, a new project or implying a new project and i get more excited about him helming large stories than pretty much anybody else i also really like the ultimate universe uh, I like the idea that you can get a, a universe you could read beginning to the end of that's kind of happening all at once together. I like the idea that it's restarting, like retelling the Marvel Universe that we know, but in a modern day perspective, which is what the original Mar- Ultimate Universe line did in 2000. It was like, okay, but what if it all started now instead of in the right. 60s? Uh, and I then really like what this does, which is, okay, well, what if it started now, but in a totally different social structure political structure of earth so rather than this being like all right let's do the marvel universe of our earth modern day it's like this crazy manipulated game of thrones world structure where uh there's no very little familiarity with how things should go so it gives us room you know it's like another classically good else worlds it's it's like what the Mm -hmm. ultimate universe originally did but allows it to be even a little bit more removed uh since it's this totally different world 
so so I like the promise of that and like to have Hickman and Chiquetto writing Spider-Man together. I'm incredibly excited about that. That said, this issue did make me feel like I had forgotten or missed some of the things that happened at the end of Ultimate Invasion. Um, which I didn't slightly. know that the maker had been trapped in the that city. was me too. Yeah, I also didn't know. I thought maybe he had died or something. It was unclear to me. He seems too smart to really ever be at a disadvantage. I love the idea of him being trapped in there because time moves quickly in there. So eventually he's going to get out. And when he does, he's going to be massively evolved. And so that is this very cool uh, sort of Damocles that hangs over the whole thing. Do you think he's going to be brittle because his uh, elastic has gotten old? I don't know. I don't know. Hickman's going to do something cool with it or he's gotten smart enough to make like fix that or he's just become like a giant consciousness engine of data or something imbued all of his stretchy cells with brain Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so yeah incredibly excited about all this there are some things i don't love that much but uh he always makes me feel like he knows better than i do i gave this a 9.0 i gave it an 8 nice do we want to listen to uh, another voicemail yeah i feel like i'm getting echoes from the gar side I need to I need to share, but yeah, you are going to get some echoes from the Gar side. I love it. Sounding listen, from the fathoms. Listen, Mr. Computer Audio Sharing Guy, Jeff. Yeah. Um, not to give everybody a peek behind the curtain, but uh, I, I was going to need what you just gave me. So uh, yeah, let's, take it. Let's, uh, let's listen to what Dr. Gar side has to say. You think he's a doctor? Uh, he's a doctor or something. Be in my 18th favorite Canadian who also hey folks, it's everyone's gum. 18th favorite Canadian, Brian G. And I have plenty of bubblegum this <laughs> oh, time. Oh, I'm so Halloween. good. But still, my question burns like the touch of the man thing. Ooh. Ultimate Universe from Hickman came out this week. There's been a long rumored Ultimate DC series and the latest scuttlebutt has Scott Snyder working on something along these lines. Oh, I bet it's Batman. But it got me thinking, what would you do with an Ultimate DC line? I mean, you could go crazy and have Jeff Johns and Jim Lee launch a Justice League book and everything spins out of it with like Grant Morrison on Action Comics and Brian Azzarello <laughs> on Wonder Woman, but that's, that's just crazy. So let's dial it back. Django, stop the audio here. And after you guys say which books you'd launch with and who your creative teams will be, come back for my pitch. I love it. I love it, Brian. Interactive. Interactive yeah, I love it. From the future. Um, okay, so this is a great question and very fun. Um, Ultimate DC. So Marvel has always kind of taken place in, you know, our world, in like New York and stuff. DC and, does and not. Marvel only really has to figure out how to compress uh, big wars so the Punisher makes sense. So right. they only have to compress a little bit of timeline to keep that going. Um... So I, well, I think the idea of trying to like tell a condensed version of the, a history, you know, comic books in a modern setting is a very 2000s idea. Like let's mo- modernize the Marvel universe. So I would probably not go that exact route. I would probably do something more akin to what Hickman is doing right now with this ultimate one, which is doing it in a modern sense, but like rebuilding the world in a different way so that it causes an entire different universe to naturally grow because the structure that composed it was so different as far as creators. So you would you would just start with a couple of characters, a handful of characters. Who would you start with? What's Mm. your what's your launch title? What's your um, yeah. And what are your next two titles? Yeah. Well, I mean, my first thought is that like, so you kind of want like an anchor thing, kind of like the fan, the Fantastic Four was. And the first one that came to mind that made sense to me was Flash, which I think could also be kind of interesting for like being one of three titles to sort of start the genesis of that universe, because like, Mm -hmm. you know, multiverse or time travel or dimension travel seems like a good vehicle to get to there. Um, And I mean, I would probably want a Grant Morrison flash book. I know he did some back in the 90s or 2000s. um, And hmm. it's kind of hard with DC because they've done so many Elseworlds where Marvel Mm -hmm kind of sticks to what ifs that are riffs on things that already happen in their universe and therefore sh- yeah shorter yeah like elseworlds have kind of done so much like i i don't know that as i was i was kind of thinking at the same time like yeah you don't really have the necessity because they've already done so many kind of reboots in just an elseworld mm-hmm. you know i mean i would if 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 i had to set it set an ultimate dc universe in um an existing elseworld setting I think I would choose 
um, the Superman American Alien because I really like the way Batman and Superman interacted there. Yeah, that was and really good. I think that that setup and that relationship could be the the foundation for a much bigger world where we have more more realistic conversations between heroes uh, than than we have now because they all come with so much history and so much that people expect out of them. I would want mine to take place in the Prohibition era. Ooh. 20s, like Boardwalk okay. Empire DC Universe. All right, I want to hear Brian's pitch. All right, let's let's listen. Okay, guys, your ideas are spectacular. Thanks, Roman, Brian. Ultimate Bamb oh, Ambush Roman's Bug dead. is just inspired, and <laughs> I want to read that book. Here's my pitch, and I call it DC Unlimited. It's the next generation of DC Comics. I'm picturing like a Mark Wade and maybe like Ryan Sook, who I think wrote uh, drew that last legion of superheroes oh yeah i could see maybe some azarello and jh uh, williams the third or maybe just jh williams since he does write and draw we're gonna start the universe with one book it's called adventure comics the main story is about a 16 year old clark kent who has secretly de been developing his powers and much like the original ultimate spider-man we're gonna decompress this story and it's gonna take six issues before he even puts on the costume he you know is solving local problems cat stuck in the tree uh satellite narrowly avoiding a farmhouse that kind of stuff and meeting up with the weird new kid alexander luther every issue would begin and end with a conversation with his mom and pa so jonathan and clark have a conversation martha and clark and just really show that moral compass that he's created as his foundation the second story, which alternates as the primary story each issue, is about a 13-year-old Bruce Wayne, just three years after his parents' death. Each story starts with a therapy session with Leslie Tompkins, ends with a conversation with Alfred, Bruce obsessively studying, training, acquiring skills. Every night he goes out and solves crimes. At some point, you have a whole Legion of Superheroes arc for Clark, and meanwhile, you have a League of Shadows arc for Bruce. I think this could go really, really well for a number of years, and it'd be a fun kind of grassroots level of an ultimate universe. So that's my thought. I, uh, I, th I think, you know, we've got something here. Maybe we can <laughs> chat with some of the powers that be at DC and, and make something happen. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, stay on the Gar side? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to end this. All right, guys. We love you, Brian. I think that's a great idea. Like, I would I would read the piss out of all that. So here's, here's something. What if it was uh, – Brian and I talked about some similar stuff earlier this week, and I forgot that I had pitched this idea to him. What about a Tom Taylor story? It is just basically Alfred stitching Bruce up from the time right after the murder of his parents through like his first week as Batman. So like every day for his first week and every week for his first month and every month for his first year until you've you've got Alfred's attitude and fears changing while he's patching up his son from getting the shit kicked out of him every night. And like he, Bruce probably gets hurt less, but more severely each time. And you just get to see Alfred sort of talk to you as the reader about how hard it is to watch Bruce put himself through that. That's a good pitch, Django. Start that's with a, a scraped knee after his parents got shot. That's good. You should write that, Django. What do I look like, Tom Taylor? Yeah. Look like I have dad issues? <laughs> Come on, Jeff. We have dad issues. Django, did you read the Return of Superman 30th anniversary special? I didn't, but tell me a little bit about it. Well, I, I don't know exactly what. It's the 30th anniversary when they killed off our guy Superman, the big blueberry. I remember that. Big blueberry. Um, and cool for that. This is this has got a framing device and then three shorts in it, and they're written by Louise Simons and Jerry Ordway, Carl Kessel, and the framing device is written by Dan Jurgens, who did the script and breakdowns for the ones that he was a part of. Uh, Travis Moore, Joe Bogdanovic, Glenn er, Jerry Ordway, and Tom Grummet did art in this. And it the framing device is that uh, Cyborg Superman has come back, and uh, Perry White has been missing or is in a coma in modern Superman comics, but they find a letter in his desk and it's kind of his journal entries for when the four Superman appeared on Earth and when Superman died. And you get to kind of spend time with each of those characters and then 
they kill Cyborg Superman. What I want to point out is that they just do a fantastic job of capturing the look and feel of 90s comics. My confusion is... It's them. Yeah, I mean, it is the writers and artists who did that. Yeah, like awesome. A lot of times when you see 90s artists come back and do stuff, even, you know, like Liefeld or stuff that's supposed to look like then, it has changed so much. And so much of this just looks exactly the same as that 90s stuff. And it reminds me of this big era of comic books that I love, and I haven't read all of the Death of Superman stuff. And Mm -hmm. I like when modern day comics can make me pause for a second. And instead of evaluating the kind of crest of the wave that we're on in this moment of these superhero stories, uh, remind me that there's all this stuff I haven't read in the past that it would be fun to read, you know, running in a comic shop we don't necessarily look at the death of Superman arc of comic books as being like, there were some really good stories in there, but like there were, even if they're like bad by today's standards, they were enough to get people excited to keep reading these things. Like it's this time and it's this era. And uh, I like that this sort of showcased that and, and caused me to look at it fondly for a moment. The, the, the death of Superman is kind of a save point for comics, right? Like you could do a bunch of stuff before that. And then once you pass that, everything else kind of refers back to it and if you were to reboot comics you reboot them from that point going forward like you you could say that it broke comics in a way like that video max what's landis, his name did max yeah. landis did like it it killed death in superhero comics but also it just kind of set a new paradigm going forward and um those stories were ultra 90s and also like that doesn't mean that they were bad it just means that they were ultra 90s right you have a do you have a score for it i gave it an 8.0 a fond 8.0 so i got a question did you yeah. read did you read the comic that i read i didn't natural order i didn't oh, only buddy. because it came in in such a weird way that it uh just slipped through the cracks of me yeah. taking my comics home um, So, but so tell us is... about it this is Christopher Yost with an Christopher artist. Christopher X Men Yost. Christopher X Men Yost yeah. uh, with the artist Val Rodriguez. Um, and it's basically a story like barbarians and witches versus sort of an immortal, super powerful being that has killed all of their friends and villages and families. And it can also um, kind of ruin your memory of your family. So, like, it kills one of these characters sister or something like that and then she can't remember her sister anymore and one of the other characters was like yeah that's one of the most insidious parts about this you don't remember what you're fighting for Mm -hmm. so like it it sort of defangs your anger in a way um and so it's it's these five or six characters going through this slightly magical world having to fight like giant demonic ents that are attacking the bar they're hanging out in and things like that. And um, they're after someone named the prisoner who is supposed to be somebody that they can bring in as an ally. And uh, everything up to there is, is pretty good. Uh, Like I didn't get bored reading it. I didn't fall asleep at the staples, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, But it had me falling asleep at the staples. (laughs) Uh, The last page reveal is what hooked me and and has me coming back for the next issue and that is after all of this barbarian roman witch elf monster wolf boat kind of story we get to them finding the prisoner and the prisoner looks like he's probably a u.s marine so there's some sort of extra time travel or you know movement going on here and the the art is is really solid I enjoyed the art quite a bit. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the the crazy thing about this book is that um, Vault pushed it super, super hard. Um, they gave us copies of number one and they're making number two returnable. And so we ordered a ton of them. And what we ended up doing for our customers is offering them number two for free if they bought number one. Yeah, Django, you're you're skating through this. Let's get into the weeds of some comic yeah, book yeah, detail yeah. here. So yeah. Vault, which is a company that we really like, and they are primarily distributed through Lunar, which is the company that DC is distributed through. And they're Ooh. in Montana. Yep. And who for the first like year and a half or two years, almost everything was returnable and uh, at Lunar. And now DC stuff is largely not, but a lot of vault stuff is. And they are trying a lot of cool things in the industry to drum up 
kind of new avenues to get people excited and work with musicians for things or explore different uh, means for advertisement. And so for this one, we could, we could for free order a bundle of 25 copies of this, as many of those as we wanted. And then issue number two is entirely returnable or is it a percentage returnable? I think okay. it's entire. It was going to be half returnable. Now it's fully returnable. So they're like, they're setting this comic up for success. If we, can make it if, if we can sell it they're making it easy for us to not take risks on it as a store exactly and it's a comic that with the page and art count would normally be priced at 4.99 they printed a 4.99 uh price stamp on it but they let retailers decide whatever they want to do with this comic give it away mm -hmm. sell it create whatever type of incentive program you want to so django just described what we settled on after talking about it which is giving people a free copy of number two if they buy number one. Why is that an advantageous way of doing it, Django? Well, so the the thought behind it, I, I had read a lot of uh, retailer forums about what everybody else was doing and why they were doing it. And this one appealed to me the most because it gives readers a little bit of skin in the game. So you spent five bucks on a comic. By the time you get number two, you're going to have spent 250 on each comic. And... I think you're more likely to read a book that you have a couple bucks in rather than read a book that was just shoved in your bag for free. And then also, if we had given this comic away for free with issue number one, it would have been impossible, almost impossible to have any accurate way of knowing how to order issue number two. So we would have yeah. to order in very high quantities like we had for issue number one, but have no idea for the sell through on that issue uh, because we don't know how many people would actually want to be paying for this story. So if you paid for issue number one, you get number two. So that immediately informs a baseline for us of how many we should be ordering for this comic. And then we can make adjustments for how many we want for the shelf on top of that. And then furthermore, if somebody has paid for and read two issues of a series, uh, we have faith in the writer and artist of this book the publisher and the book itself that it will probably keep people through wanting to get through the first paperback if they've committed to the first two issues at that point so there was a lot of sort of jazz decision that was going into our thinking on it yeah and it, it took a little bit of extra work for us to to put these in all these files and figure out who should get it and a lot of conversations at the counter i started feeling a little bit repetitive describing the whole thing to everybody um but i think because it is actually a good comic like i don't often make it past the staples on uh, a fantasy comic and because we like made it made it available to everybody and promised them number two um a lot of people gave it a shot so do you want some stats jeff love them we've been we've we've been open for two days at this time of recording since this issue came out um our number one best selling item for those two days by quantity current size bags and ports nice our number two best-selling item for by quantity in this time span is resealable current bags and ports. Okay. All right. Our number three is unnatural order number one, which beat out X-Men number 28 by double. Wow. So this sold twice as many copies as X-Men did in our store in the first two days of release, which that's pretty impressive, I think. Yeah. No, we have not had a vault number one who's done that. I mean, we didn't have a Batman number one that's yeah. outsold it this week like the the third or, yeah the number three comic this week is batman catwoman gotham war scorched earth number one one shot cover a george jimenez like this is this is a hit in our store it's, yeah it's the number one comic for the last two days and, and probably will be for the week and those people all bought number ones so will be giving them number two for free but that means that that many people will have gone home with issue number two which yeah. is a better success rate than pretty much any image or boom book we've seen in the last year or so to guarantee that people are going to be leaving with number two. Yeah. Because there is usually a pretty big attrition rate. So all of that's pretty interesting. And we always will jump through a couple extra hoops to try and support people in the industry who are shaking things up. Uh, my interest in this is sort of similar to like when Firepower came out and they had released like the standalone graphic novel on free comic book day with the first issue that was a time yeah. jump. Like there was all, all this interesting, they were trying some new stuff. So um, what was your score for it, Django? Uh, I, gosh, I didn't think that far, Jeff. I think for me, I would give it 
a solid seven and a half, but I think that anybody who doesn't have a chip on their shoulder about a fantasy world is going to give it an eight or an eight and a half. Like, nice. I, I dock things for having too many swords in them. Okay. So the, I think a final book I want to go out on here with you, Django, mm-hmm. if you read it, which I have a suspicion you did. Yes. Is faceless in the family. Number one from Oni press written and drawn by Matt Lesniewski. Dude. This is an awesome comic. This is an awesome comic. I don't know. I feel a little bit about him like I feel about Riley Rossmo, which is I love looking at the pictures. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much I love it as a sequential storytelling art because it reminds me a lot or it makes me feel similar to the way that you describe like space or dream logic in things. So there's this like things a little floaty and wrong. Yeah. And physics, it has its own physics. It has its own scale. Um, Like it, it is confidently beating to its own drum beat, which I Mm -hmm. love. And I love the art, but it is unapologetically its own thing. And uh, in terms of like grasping a story with this art, like maybe, yeah, I, you know, like the crimson flower book that he did the art in as well. Like, all felt much more surreal and dreamlike because of the art more yeah. than just the story. So, um, you know, I I think we're looking at one of the most innovative and interesting new young voices in comics. Hundred percent. Like Zoe Thorogood and Matt Lesniewski are are both on different ends of it, writing and art, doing some very laudable things. And it's in that like at times it reminds me of Will Eisner. Um, at times reminds me of like James Stoko, like the Eisner stuff is just like all the sound effects that are like oh, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. given physical form that are in the environment. There's a panel that has some words built in the, the carpal tunnel thing. Yeah. Is that right? In the, in the, on the side of the buildings. Um, I, I can see exactly what you're saying. Uh, for me, the, the main touch point would probably be, um, the, uh, Brandon Brandon Graham Graham space book that came out not too long ago like the dude in the huge space walker and like a, hard a rain. city that was on yeah hard rain, rain like hammers rain like hammers yeah. yeah just just in the completely foreign feel to the world mm-hmm. and like in this one they're having an adventure on a planet that's shaped like a hand and the palm is where they're hanging out with like warts presenting themselves up out of the ground and like it's it's this desolate area and they want to get to the fingers and the fingers are the metropolitan areas that are uh, guarded by rings so each the all, all five fingers have rings on them and, and it's hard to get past those rings unless you have business in the city um but that like the character designs are awesome the world is awesome I agree with you that the physics don't make sense. Like every time something explodes or whatever, like the rocks are sort of suspended in air and you, you could see like a, like the time stop and the people walk around and push their way through the rocks to narrate something directly into your face. Um, but I think every single panel in here is an interesting panel. Absolutely. You know, he's got like this big belt that's always around him that like isn't touching him at all. And it's just floating, right. you know, like, like these weird right. physics things like that. But every single panel is interesting to look at. Like, no questions. It is fascinating art. If if I have a complaint, it's that it's black and white. I know. I agree. I, I really like his art. It's almost too busy for me to get as much as I want to out of it because because it's black and white. I totally agree. Um, It's hard like the the depth because he also does a lot of like cross hatching and shading. There's a lot of like implied depth and depth within it, but it's without color. It is a little hard to parse how busy every panel is. Yeah, and it, it made me think like what is what's the business behind this, right? So this is from Oni Press. Matt Lesniewski I just did the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? So did he say, hey, guys, I got a comic. Will you publish it? Or did they say, hey, we love you. We're going to let you do anything you want. Because it seems like black and white is going to be um, probably lower sales. Right, definitely. Um, but also lower budget for somebody who's a pretty new voice in the comics world. Yeah, pretty young, pretty new. Um, he's got maybe three trade paperbacks and a, and a comic or two. Yeah, but the art like the work is so confident 
um, confidently its own thing. Yeah, I, I would assume it's probably in that kind of image range where I bet that he did this and then brought it to somebody or brought, you know, a proof like the first third and somebody was like, all right, I'll give you an advance to finish it and then we'll put it out. I um, saw a bunch of this original art in, uh, in the new, at the New York comic con, he was there with the originals and I was like, man, what is this from? Cause I wanted to buy it on the spot from him. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, that's from faceless and the family it comes out in a couple of weeks. So nice. the, the, the originals were even sharper than this. So, some of this looks like grayscale, almost like they shrunk it down in a way to make his cross hatching less defined. If that makes sense. It's, yeah, because at times it's dense enough that it may be. Yeah, I could see that. It's it's a it's a treat to look at, and we will be uh, anxiously awaiting for each issue of this and anything else this person is doing for sure. Yeah. It, but it it does give me a weird feeling, and it's a little hard to follow. That's um, why I like it. Is that weird feeling? Yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight point oh. I'm gonna give it a nine. Kind of reminds me of it's like Will Eisner mixed with like Popeye. You know, because you got like Olive yeah. and like the big Ophi guy and like some like old Disney stuff. But then like, yeah, if if I had I, I I was able to slow down enough and not be lost in the storytelling at all. Like it, it just it, it put a barrier up. If I had a thing that I would want to change in this, it would be the font size. Sure. Yeah, it, it almost looks like it was small. made to be magazine format instead yeah. of comic book format. It's just like like 90% of the font size that, that I would like to read. Yep, totally. Okay, speaking of that, have you heard that DC is talking about putting out five and a half by eight and a half comic books of Watchmen and things like that? Yeah, it's like 12 different volumes they've solicited. And my understanding is it's going to be akin to like that Marvel Digest size they've been putting out. Yeah, good for them. I can't read those either. If you're yeah. just going to shrink Watchmen to 70% of the size, like... I'm yeah. out. Yeah, the Watchmen one is not a good call. Um, I do think it's a great call for ones whose art and like, you know, books that were written for like 12 to 18 year olds are like perfect for that size because they're not as text heavy. And a well, handful like font of those size, man. Yeah. And font size as well. Um, like All Star Superman's in there, which may or may not be a great choice for it. There are some other ones that are very good choice for it. But but like Far Sector is also like very wordy yeah the, mm -hmm. the font size is maybe an issue they'll they'll run into but um all right folks well listen i'm gonna get out of here because in you are. two hours and 16 minutes i have an appointment with the fates the moon. oh you're getting you're getting those wings that you ordered four hours ago dude we ordered those wings um that's crazy i'm gonna go eat some cold wings that we're already two hours late um Django, tell the people how to get a hold of us well, the best way to get a hold of us is to come into the comics place and buy a bunch of comics and then say, hey, Django and Jeff. But if I you was want listening to, be on this to the podcast. podcast. I was listening to the podcast and uh, I really thought that you guys were super off base. Yeah. I can read tiny fonts. What's wrong with your face? Yeah. Uh, but the, the next best way and probably the, the best way to get on the podcast would be to uh, send us a voice message to Jeff at thecomicsplace.com uh, or you can just send an email. To that same address um th th that's th th that's our preferred way um yeah. yeah yeah uh find us on you know most social media Are you on snapchat yet jeff i am yeah you you, you skip big facebook snapper. skipped be real just went straight to snapchat huh well I, I, I mean i haven't used my snapchat in like 12 years yeah i think i, I signed up for an account and gave up instantly yeah um be real though that's got staying power yeah <laughs> uh you know you could you could be like will you could be like brian the far side gar side and uh send us messages maybe someday we'll do uh an all messages version of this podcast maybe someday we'll get around to doing another live episode i, I think uh, we came up with a pretty fun conceit for that lately we did um i don't remember what it was but it sounded like fun when we talked about it uh, this next week, Jeff and I are going to be on a, an adventure, a whirlwind adventure from Dallas to Houston to New Orleans. And I think we're going to try to record something, but you might get some, uh, rental car noise in the fumes. Background. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a blast and we're thinking about all of you while we're, uh, in Texas and New Orleans. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else? Like go review us and read, read more oh, comics and, yeah. uh, 
you know, smell the glove. Smell the glove. I love it, Django. That was impeccable, just like your hair. I adore you, my good, good friend, and we adore you, dear listener. So until next time. Don't be a scum shoe. Don't scoot and be a scum shoe. Leave doors closed at night if they're supposed to be closed. <laughs> and uh, re- yeah, enjoy your comics until the next time we talk. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm Django. And I was wondering. <laughs>